The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Well, on the first half of the program this morning, we have a special interview that WGNS's Bart Walker did on the 25th anniversary of Greenhouse Ministries, a local nonprofit here in our community that helps literally thousands of people each and every year. And again, they recently celebrated 25 years of service. With more, here's Bart Walker. We're talking with the two founders of Greenhouse Ministries who 25 years ago had a dream, and look at it now. Cliff and Jane Sharp, congratulations to you. Thank you, Bart. Thank you so much. The voice you just heard, Jane Sharp, you're the one who came up with the growing philosophy, planet, greenhouse, things of that sort. <laughs> uh, yes, that would be just inspiration for the moment, yes. <laughs> but it, you know, it's just amazing how things pop in and they are really orchestrated by God. But at the time, It's what you're looking for and what you need. How did it all get started, Cliff? You know, probably to me, it was was what I call my epiphany. And my epiphany was that everybody doesn't think like me. (laughs) And and what that led to was seeing, seeing a whole segment of the population that did not have dreams and goals and did not feel like they had opportunity. And so as Jane and I started talking about that, you know, what can we do? And so uh, we started thinking, you know, what, what would it take? And, um, and then, uh, again, God just started giving us ideas. But, but the main thing is that we wanted to help people, but we wanted to do more than just give them something. Because, uh, you know, you can give people things and they're grateful and appreciative, but it never changes lives. So anyway, we wanted to do more than that. We knew that you had to develop relationships with people, and so that's what we started doing by, you know, going out and going around to the projects and taking bread and visiting and talking. And uh, we knew that education is a key, so we wanted to do classes, and so we started very quickly doing, you know, computer and GED and parenting classes and things like that. And then things just started opening up more and more and more. But basically, that was the that was the key. And then the other thing is that we would see people in the community saying, "What can I do to help?" And wow, what a great community we live in because there are people always saying, "What can I do to help?" And so, as you know, as you hear me say all the time, it takes over 500 volunteer hours per week for us to operate now. We were looking back at the beginning. And Jane, we were talking before this broadcast about some of the warnings, I guess you could say, from the local police chief Mm -hmm. back 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. What were they telling you? Well, we had been going into the Franklin Heights area, and they said that's not really safe, and we haven't felt threatened at all. And so we were very naive and just kept going. And so fortunately, when they got this grant, the Weed and Seed Grant, for that area to target that one to clean it up, they included us. And I feel like it was just God's way of giving us favor in the city and helping us to get to know people because 
if we had just come in to say, this is what we think we want to do, which we didn't know for sure, <laughs> they would have said, oh, okay, okay. But then when we were doing it, they recognized we were doing it and included us. It was a whole different story. I remember I was involved in Crime Stoppers when you were starting that. We didn't know each other at mm-hmm. that time. But uh, this Crime Stoppers group decided, well, we'll go over and clean up the playground. It had needles and who knows what else in the playground. And somebody said, well, you'll have to come back again and again and again because it's not going to stay clean. Well, we cleaned it up and it stayed clean. And the police started saying, we don't understand what's going on. It's changing over here. Mm -hmm. There's a pride in the community. And it was Greenhouse Ministries. Well, it's very contagious. And when the community sees you do that, they want to be a part of it. So we had so many volunteers that came. And, of course, the city schools jumped in and other groups came over and had a part in that. And the residents became prideful and felt like it was worth their time to give it, you know, go out and pick up trash on the ground. It did change. It changed completely. And I know when we first started going over there, as naive as we were, I saw a few drug trades out by the front fence. Well, I didn't fear. I figured that was their little transaction. But we didn't see that after that. It just stopped. And it In was fact, Cliff, you said that uh, just a moment ago, you said about the police tried to find drugs. Right. The Chief Christman said after a while and we were over there, he said we couldn't, we'd send in uncovered people and we could not buy drugs over there. What a compliment. I mean, that is a successful story. And, and again, it was, it was the whole group working together. You know, they set up a precinct, a police precinct over there. Uh, the city schools came in. The recreation department came in. And, of course, you know, it was, it was housing. And uh, uh, it was interesting that uh, Patsy Nolan came to me and said, we would love for you to come over here because you're already working over here. And uh, her comment was, now, but I don't want you beating them over the head of the Bible. And I, so I, I, I replied to her. She used this all the time. I said, most of these people have been saved four or five times anyway, and they'd be saved again if they thought they had to say a sinner's prayer to get something. And so I said, that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to help people, not try to beat them over the head with the Bible. Now, from that point, where did you go? After we left um, Franklin Heights, we went over to... Uh, over on Lytle Street, Florida Brothers. It was their program. You know, again, that's another interesting story. Of course, I've got lots of interesting stories, as you know. But uh, 25 years right. of success. But uh, we moved in there, and it was a mess. The the, um, the the Red Cross had already moved out of it. Okay, and I know exactly where you're talking it was, about. It was now. the old Red Cross building. And uh, so as we started cleaning it up, people would just come by and say you know what are you doing and we would start trying to tell them and they'd say oh well you know i'm a painter i can help you paint or i do you know i do uh uh finish work i can help you put your baseboards down and it was just amazing the people that came by but we moved in in august and 9 11 happened of course in september that was another one of those things that people started coming in looking for the red cross to see what they could do and so we were able to point them to the Red Cross, but they would all say, well, what are y'all and who are you? So you would not believe the publicity that we got from, from that and uh, volunteers that came simply because they had come by to look for the Red Cross after, after 9-11. So anyway, it's just amazing how God works. 
Sounds like God's work right there. Jane, you must have seen a lot of that. I was thinking when he was telling about people coming by just to help clean up the building, that's been the story of Greenhouse the whole time, the whole 25 years. Um, our sewing class was started by one of our clients. What if? We love the what ifs. And then our nursing clinic, which we now call a health clinic. But most of our programs were started by people that said, well, have you ever thought about this? What if? And we're ready to listen then because we feel like that's just something God wants us to do. And he sent the right person to do it. I can relate to this because I feel like God sometimes has a message for us. And sometimes I don't hear it as well. And I feel like he has a two-by-four to get my attention. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes he really just needs to get your attention. And, you know, after, after we moved from over on Lytle Street, um, Jane and Christia had always had a, a, a dream of having a thrift store. And so, sure enough, uh, Tom Beatty came to us and said, hey, I'm fixing to close my office thing. Uh, would you be interested in my building? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> And so uh, that's, that's how we got the building over there and were able to, to start a thrift store. Again, we did not want it to be just a thrift store. We wanted it to be something special, and it is. The garden Patch is special. Boy, look at it now. <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, you know, people walk in and, and they, they don't believe that it's, a, that it's a thrift store. 25 years later, and we're in a building that's across the street from the thrift store. <laughs> and, and that was one of my dreams, is to have a men's program, a program where we could help men become men. Uh, you know, there are so many single moms that we work with, and part of that is simply because men don't know how to be men, they don't know how to take responsibility. And so uh, that's, that's what the program upstairs, Living University, is all about. Tell us what you're doing in the Living University. We have so many new people coming into town, they don't know about Greenhouse. We did a lot of research, you know, um, what does a successful person, what do, they, what do they know, what's a profile of a successful person? And um, everything we do, we base on the, on the scripture, um, Luke 2.52, which is, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. You're an all-rounded, well-rounded person. And so that's what we wanted to do up there. So we have um, 16 modules that they work through. And, you know, everything from, you know, how to, how to take care of their money, their time, the class we did last night and this morning was on goal setting, how to set goals. They all take a citizenship test. Uh, they talk about the culture and their backgrounds. You know, they'll go to a, um, a city council meeting and some museums and some things like that that they've never been to before. And so um, they, they work through this, through this module. Everything, of course, is, is Christ-centered. We, we say that to become a successful person, a successful person is one who feels comfortable where, where he is and comfortable where God wants him. And so it has nothing to do with money, but it does have to do with the mind change. Now, you are always talking about needing mentors to work with these people. And I can see how that is a life changer. It, it really is. Uh, we, we've had some people that have gone through the program. You know, we, we started two years ago. It was a challenge to start with and, and still is, but we've had some people that go, have gone all the way through it. 
they are just so appreciative and uh, some of them have not literally finished the whole thing but their their mindset has changed we, we had an, an interesting fellow that came in he was older he came in through one of the churches he really didn't know anything about about Jesus other than the name and he was a pretty rough character but anyway he was with us a little over a year he developed cancer and died three weeks ago but he died so peaceful and he would just come down and talk and say you know if I hadn't been here I would have I would have never known the peace that is really available through Jesus Christ one thing that has been so obvious at least to me is that you have brought together different denominations in this town working together that I can't believe. Yeah, it, it was interesting. When we first got ready to start, uh, we, we went to um, Los Angeles and, and uh, to Jack Hayford's church and met this group, Tavani's. Uh, she was peaches with peaches and herbs, you know, reunited again. But anyway, uh, again, our naivety, uh, Jane just got on the phone and started calling churches, said, would you be willing to help with this? And what did you get? 42 churches. That's a little God story right there. Forty-two churches not only agreed to, but came, and this, uh, the Tavani sent us this folder with all the booths that we set up, how to manufacture the setup for a carnival. Then they came in with the big 18-wheeler with the stage that goes down, entertained people for a little bit, and all of a sudden, Steve Tavani, who had been a former gang member, starts talking to these people in their language, and they just poured down, just poured down. And so these, these churches, a lot of them were there. And so we learned that our typical view of a response is not appropriate because we had cards for them to sign and we gave them a Bible. But then after it was over, it's kind of like, now what? These people need somebody to walk with them. So they enhanced our thinking about the relationship building and developing trust with these people who need help, not just tell them about it. And now, 25 years later, you see the fruits of that. Absolutely. We love going to a grocery store somewhere, and they don't say, oh, it changed my life, but they'll say, I took the computer class, and now I got a much better job. Or they'll tell you some little specific, and I love greenhouse. <laughs> now, I just walked through your business class or your computer class on the way to this room where we're talking right now, and witnessed a, a teacher working with a young lady who's giving her life skills right uh, and and we we see that so many times um, I, we ju I just took a group on a tour a few minutes ago and they said well what do you learn what do they learn in the computer class and my comment was whatever they want to learn whatever they want need to know and, uh, and and that's the great comment we get back so many times you know I took a computer class and I learned what I wanted to learn as one of them said I could care less how a computer worked I just wanted to know how I could do this and so that that's our goal is trying to teach them what whatever they want to know and then they'll pick up a lot of other things and your facility here, the new facility, which people should be very proud of, has all sorts of 
classes and, and equipment for sewing, for cooking, you name it. Mm-hmm. We have a huge variety, and like I said, you can write a story about all the different ones that started those groups and why it started here and why it caught on. So it's just beautiful that this community is just so ingrained in this, in this not just the building, but the ministry. And for somebody listening who has a talent in a certain area and you're thinking, I would like to share that with somebody, mm-hmm. what do they need to do? They need to just get in touch with us. Ideally, they, every Thursday morning we do a volunteer orientation at 10 o'clock. Take a tour and look and see what all is going on and then see how they can plug in. And so, you know, if, like I say, if they have something that, that God has really put on the heart, I really need to share this with some other people, then um, we, we'll make a place for them. Jane, this must make you very proud to see oh, the community coming mm-hmm. together. Well, I just I love that the community owns this. We don't. Now it's God's first, but the community owns this. And there we have all kinds of groups that meet here, clubs, retired teachers meet here, and that really blesses me. I just I love the fact that people feel welcome to use one of our rooms or to come and teach a class. We even have classes from MTSU. It's just really wonderful. So Greenhouse is growing more than you imagined, growing different things. We had no idea. <laughs> Congratulations to both of you, and thank you, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, and you're so much a part of it. You're just right there for every occasion, and I just feel like you're just part of the foundation of Greenhouse. Thank you, Bart. Thank you so much, Cliff and Jane Sharp. They are the inspiration behind Greenhouse Ministries, the ones who founded it 25 years ago. Uh, We'll have to leave it to our kids to uh, talk with each other 25 years later. (laughs) That's right. Bart, again, thank you so much. And uh, we we are just extremely blessed and grateful that you came by and good to talk to you. Great to talk with you. Cliff and Jane Sharp, thank you for 25 years. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the new menu items that we have added is our Salmon Imperial. Our Salmon Imperial is a fresh cut piece of salmon with shrimp and a crab meat blend, and then we've put our Alfredo sauce on top of it. It's great for a low-carb diet that you can get with spinach, but also... It just has an amazing flavor with a mixture of all those flavors between the shrimp alfredo and then our salmon. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Hi, this is Brandon. I am the drum instructor at Music World Drummer's Den. What Dave and I try to do because we're drummers is hands-on experience. We let you come back in the drum room so you can try drums out before you buy them because online you can't do that. Taking private lessons we jumpstart you a lot quicker than you can on YouTube. A lot of people try to watch YouTube and take lessons. We're hands-on. The Music World in Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. 
The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. You're listening to WGNS, and you just heard WGNS's Bart Walker talking with the folks out there at Greenhouse Ministries. Now joining us in studio, State Representative Mike Sparks. How are you? How you doing? Good, Scott. How are you? I'm good. So I understand there is a big speech tonight that Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam is going to be making. What yes. What all is going to be covered in that speech well you know the the usual the i mean a lot of positive things still happen in our state we still have some some struggles uh the budget's not not going to be what we've been used to the past few years but he'll probably talk about education mental health and i'm sure he's going to highlight the border crisis um you know he just got back from the border i'm sure he's going to talk about that and collaboration with other states and the and the crisis that that are not only our state faces but but our nation faces as a whole the border crisis affects a lot of areas in Tennessee, but I've noticed it especially impacts a lot of the more rural areas, yeah. such as those who have farms and agriculture sector. Well, you know, we're seeing our country change, and it's, and I, I've often said this, I'm, I'm half immigrant. My mother is from Scotland. You know, she met my father after World War II, um, and, you know, she came over here legally, and, um, but, you know, it's a, it is a crisis, um, I mean, our schools are already overcrowded. Our infrastructure has been hit hard, and um, it's just totally unsustainable to um, to continue on the path that we're on. I had heard the other day that there was somebody asked me. It was a banker of all people. They said I seen uh, a bus, six buses coming into Murfreesboro, and they said I I know this wasn't about high schools, and it wasn't about MTSU, and so um, you know it's a uh, they were probably probably six busloads of, of migrants coming to uh, to uh, Rutherford County. Yeah, and, and you know when I said uh, it, th- these immigrants who are coming to our area who are often illegal, impacting more rural areas, I, I didn't necessarily mean in a in a bad way, but yep. a lot of times I don't know really what to call it because it ends up being where the state of Tennessee is funding things like medical care for folks who. They don't have insurance, yeah. and those who are illegal immigrants, they often don't have maybe the means to pay for it. But that's true with a lot of a lot of Americans with you know, medical. It, well, it's a you know I just was listening to, to um, Greenhouse Ministries Cliff and and his wife, and you know I appreciate them doing what they do for for the least of these and a Christ centered approach, which I think is the key to solving uh, many of our the myriad of problems that we see in our in our communities and. You know, I get torn as a Christian. You don't want to help people that want to come here, but then you're looking, okay, well, what are we doing for, I mean, the guy sitting on the street corner just yesterday at Florence and Murfreesboro Road holding up a little cardboard sign up and, you know, folks that's carrying suitcases down the road with their belongings or the people that's going to be passing by here in the next few minutes when I walk out of WGNS, you know, we've got to try to take care of our own and our own veterans and others that's battling mental health and other addiction issues and, um, for this border just to be wide open uh and these are a lot of this is fighting age men young men that's coming over here and some i mean what what alarmed me is folks coming in from china you're like what how are they getting here they're coming in through mexico too yes and it's just you know you you try to be level-headed and think well surely this isn't a conspiracy but then you start looking at all the evidence like yeah i think this is something purposely being planned to undermine our our the, the security of our nation i think it's happening 
uh, I was just sharing at the chamber. I had a, a someone that's a federal agent, and they're in Texas, and they were really concerned of, of the states and the federal government clashing. And, and I don't want to use the term. Uh, people couldn't figure out what I was talking about. I said the word starts with a C, and the other word starts with a W. And I don't want to say that. Um, you got to be careful what you say. And um, But it, it's extremely, extremely, extremely alarming. But I appreciate our Governor Bill Lee going down to address that, Congressman Mark Green, Senator Mark Black, Marsha Blackburn, and Senator Haggerty as well to uh, to try to do what they can to combat this problem. Well, you mentioned a local citizen said they saw a large bus coming through town and six buses, six buses, and they yeah. appeared to be, I guess, filled with with what may have been immigrants. That's, well, that's what they that's what they thought. Now, I, I got to be careful saying that. I'm just telling you what they told me. And I'm sure there's some other folks that probably seen the same thing that are that are listeners. Well, the story we aired just five days ago, it said in the autumn of 2023, the city of Franklin received formal notification from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security regarding the anticipated arrival of nearly 600 individuals in Middle Tennessee yes. that were all in the process of immigrating. Yes. Now, th- that notification that came to Franklin and other cities as well, was it saying that these immigrants are coming here legally, or was it saying these immigrants were picked up, possibly at the border, I think and they're coming here illegally? My understanding, they're picked up at the border, and this is what... And I, spread out throughout the nation. I've been, I was. I had somebody tell me just the other day that they're, they're, they asked the migrants, where are you want to go? And they said, these folks said Middle Tennessee, you know, the Nashville area, and... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just know this. I know we've got a fentanyl crisis. I just preached a funeral for for a young man. Uh, in fact, his mom just called me day before yesterday. You know, we think it's fentanyl. Another mother called my wife of the day. Her son passed away. She thinks it's fentanyl. And um, and you think that the, what's going on, you've got folks coming from the border that are, you know, young men that's coming up. And then our young men are overdosing. I mean, this is reality of what we're facing as a as not only a state but as a as a nation and when you look across and i don't know if you've ever had to do a funeral but you know you look at and you see the mom and you see the father and you see the grandmother and you see family members you know it's not going to be okay i mean it's just it just it makes me want to cuss in a, in a pulpit and god forgive me for even saying that um but it's extremely alarming and i think the states are doing what they can to push back against this but i think it's bigger than just people wanting to come to america i think this is all orchestrated from from other countries that's um trying to undermine our our national security again with us this morning state representative mike sparks but when you have the federal government notifying different cities saying hey we're going to be bringing six seven eight hundred immigrants into your city and then the notification does not specify and it says right here the notification did not include specific details regarding the timing or distribution of immigrants among the named cities. And yes. it did not say exactly if they were legal or legally coming here or not. It just left yeah. that open, which tells me, well, if they left that open, left that off, that probably means yeah. you're talking about a lot of illegal immigrants coming into an area yes which is going to cost a city a lot of money, even though people may not think it. They may yeah. say, how could it cost a city money? And then oh, you look yeah. at arrests being made, you look at DUIs, you look at fatality accidents where somebody is, is drunk behind the wheel and they hit another motorist, and then you find out the person driving is an illegal immigrant. The cost of education. The cost of education. I, I mean, there's so many things, so many factors that go into all this that equal 
well, if we're going to pay for this, we've got to increase taxes to pay for it. Oh, yeah. You know, my heart goes out to the county commission. I said that the other day we had some commissioners at the uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, Capital Connection. I think uh, Commissioner Jonathan Beverly, Phil, Phil Wilson, and uh, 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 Commissioner uh, Irwin was there. And, um, you know, I've been in that position where you have to look at everything. But when I was there, we didn't have the problems that we see today. I mean, uh, uh, Joe Carr, Mayor Carr, um, you know, is facing unprecedented problems that I didn't face when I was there. Uh, Nancy Allen didn't face that. Ernest Burson didn't face that. I don't think Bill Kitchen faced it at the level that, that Joe Carr is facing it. But it really is it really is scary um, because I had a, I had elected official in my office here a few weeks ago, and they were telling me they had 700 additional students. I said, well, how many of those are undocumented? I think that's a fair question. That's not negative. It's just saying, hey, how many of these are undocumented? They said, well, we, we, can't, we can't talk about that. Why, why can't they? I don't know. I was like, when, when, you have a, when you have a country and you can't talk about something, you can't discuss something, maybe because it's politically incorrect to talk about. I mean, that's the thing, this thing called the First Amendment. It's first for a reason. It's not number two, number three, number four, number five. It's first for a reason. And that's alarming when people are afraid to talk about these issues that are, are, are hurting our country, just like that boy that passed away. Um, and then the, what was it, Metro just uh, did a big drug bust. Shout out to Metro and uh, Police uh, Chief Drake and DEA for that large drug bust. I think it was 120,000 uh, fentanyl-laced pills, and among other drugs. Did they figure out where they came from? I think it was California, but then it may have came from, from Mexico. Now, now, I noticed when you say something about... Uh, an illegal immigrant coming into our area, you call them undocumented. And that, that word undocumented is one of those lighter, fluffier it words is. that changed over at some point yeah. from the word illegal. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because even you as a state representative pick up on these different terms, just yeah. as I do, and we don't even realize it. Well, the political correctness and wokeism is just well, it's I, at an all-time high. And we don't realize that we're changing Yeah. Our vocabulary sometimes exactly. to match it. I know it's you know you have to bow. Like I had somebody one time didn't like me using the term black instead of African American. I'm like black African American. It's no disrespect to to anybody. It's you know whether you're talking about Caucasian or white or Hispanic Latino. You know, but there's a lot of um, but the but the political correction in my opinion the wokeism it is there to undermine our nation. It really is because when you can't address something and people are afraid elected officials are afraid to say something because you may offend somebody, then that also censors that discussion for solutions. Because this is a serious problem. It, it's not that, oh, you're a hater or you're a bigot or racist. I'm, I'm sure I'll probably get called that. But, you know, it's nothing new. It's happened to me in the past. And it's just that narrative that they use. It's called agenda-setting theory from, from media. You know, I've studied media just like you have. And there is, I mean, it's literally called agenda-setting. You know, theory where they will set the agenda to to paint that narrative where you're a racist or you're a bigot or something. Thus, that hinders the discussion of solving problems. You know, even let's say you're a reporter, even if you've been a reporter for years and years and you don't take some type of continuing education class every once in a while to learn more about new age reporting what's been changed in reporting if you don't take yeah. any of those classes you're not reading 
how some of these words are changing, but yet yeah. in reality, you're still picking up on it from the news that you watch, and I then you're a, sitting there and reporting these lighter, yeah. fluffier words. You, know, you, I don't know if you remember this. You remember you and I done a, sh- a radio show. Uh, I was live at the Capitol. You remember that? And I had my professor on, Dr. Larry Burst, and I think the world Larry Burst. If he's listening, no disrespect, Dr. Burst. But he, he is the premier uh, uh, knowledgeable man when it comes to the First Amendment and the Constitution. Great guy. He served at the Pentagon, the Colonel of the Air Force. Just a really like this guy. But we disagree when it comes to media because he's raised up. So his, and sometimes I think people have blinders on their eyes because they see it just from their perspective. So I was doing a radio show. I called in. You were doing Rutherford Magazine show or Rutherford Issues. I'm at the Capitol perched up on the on the I remember that, second yeah. the second floor i could see all the protesters okay you remember that yeah and I, I was just saying hey you know there's a protest here and i'm up here live at the capitol and i had a few minutes between between some legislation and i seen protesters with a lot of troopers and there was a protester in a wheelchair down there at legislative plaza and all of a sudden i kind of looked back and that same protest in a wheelchair was laying on the ground i guess it, having a seizure I, I could see his body jump, you know, just moving around, and I'm at least a not quite a football field away, and I yell um, at the troopers to go render aid, and I, the, I remember the protesters that. blocked the troopers. Yeah, remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you want to hear a clip of it? From oh, back you got then? it. Yeah, that oh, was yeah, back let's in do it. Oh, 2020. Yeah. Awesome. Let's go to this and see what what happened on that day. Now, your ignorance of the words, um, but again, how do we decide what the words mean? What what the symbols mean? Now I'm trying to think. Was it towards the end of the program? I think it's beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here they're trying to check on. They'll probably call an EMS and they'll probably run the ambulance off too. This was in and, 2020. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with this guy. I'm seeing his body just just shaking here. They just got him out of a wheelchair. And um, I mean, I'm not setting this up. This is really, this is really playing out. You know, when you've got a guy laying here, I'm looking at him. He's laying on the ground right here, and um, he's having a. They'll probably call an ambulance. You'll hear an ambulance coming out here in a few minutes. But it's sad, you know, and I have a lot of respect. Well, Mike, that, that happened in 2020 at the Capitol, and you were there. Of course, when you went in that day, you didn't know there was going to be a protest, I guess, and you, wasn't, you weren't sure what it was well, about no, when you first I, arrived. I knew there were people up there because that was the point I was trying to make about the media's coverage, that they're not covering these things fair and balanced. And you got to be fair and, and, my, and transparent in everything. At least I think you should, especially if you're going to be a journalist or but, a reporter. That's the bedrock of yeah of, of journalism. But man, how, man, that's pretty smart that you pulled that up that quickly. How'd you get? How'd you find that? I am a genius. <laughs> you must be. I mean, because we weren't even going to talk about this unless no, you planned no, it without no, telling I did, me. I didn't. I mean, I didn't think you still had that. But here's here's the the the, the basis of this. I was just saying that the media that that was my whole. Uh, uh, premise was saying the media is not fair they're not covering us in a fair manner and dr burris is saying they are because they're covering a protest i said no sir they're not covering what we see of the aggressiveness from these protesters towards the troopers and other law enforcement and and all i mean it, you protest whatever you want to protest but it needs to be done in a in a a, a calm manner and not any violence or anything but when that played out, an NPR reporter had came out because I recognized the guy. Then I seen a Tennessean reporter came out, and I asked him. I guess it's on there. You could probably hear it. And I said, "Are you going to cover this? Do you see what's going on?" Because they seen it. I said, "You see what's going on?" And the guy, you know what NPR? You know what they aired the story? No. They said Representative Sparks tries to tell me how to do my job. 
He that, didn't even that cover was part of the news story. Yeah, he didn't even cover the 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 protesters blocking the troopers from rendering aid. That guy could have died. I don't know whatever happened. The ambulance took him. Fire trucks. You know, you, I think you hear the fire trucks here. You know, if you kept playing it, they come in. Then the Tennessean reporter Scott. This really is kind of deep state stuff. I mean, they're they're a genius at doing this on this narrative, man. So the Tennessean, she puts it on Twitter, and I forgot the the young lady's name. I thought she was really nice. I just disagree with her reporting. And I heard she got hit by these bots, meaning like online, Twitter, that were just coming at her. It was like, I mean, rush, just boom, blasted her like carpet bombing in the military. And I heard she took her Twitter down. Oh. Because, and I don't know if this is set up with bots or this is set up with you know some other foreign entity or someone's doing it internally and all of a sudden she didn't report it and there was another guy that i knew who introduced me to a, a, a radio uh uh somebody that owned a, i think a couple stations out in um we, we only uh, have like two minutes left and, uh, but, but you know that's what goes on so you you seen it. i witnessed it you heard it yeah dr burris heard it um but anyways, that's the that's the times we're in. They many times they don't want to report the truth. But they, but they I can't picture it. it. You know, you you have a, a young reporter out there, maybe 25, 30 years old, and they're reporting whatever's going on. I can't picture them. They're not told in advance. This is what I want you to do. If you see something else happening out there, don't cover that. Cover the main story that you're they out there cover, for. And that's the protest. They cover protests. They didn't cover the them blocking. Right, right. So aid. I'm saying they went out there with this purpose of covering the protest, and it's almost as if their eyes weren't fully open to see everything happening within the protest. And so when they got back to report it, they they deliberately p- posted, I guess, what they went out there for. And that was the initial well, I protest. I think an editor, an editor is saying, hey, let's don't cover that. Instead, let's do this. Let's do, this. do you want to hear another couple of seconds yeah, of ahead. this and see this? Yeah. You ask the reporter in this to cover why they didn't cover it or why the, or you told them they should cover it. Yeah, right? I think you probably heard it from the right, story. So this story is getting out. Uh, to residents in Rutherford County now how those uh, and your entire listening audience how those people respond to that story is an entirely different issue and I think what happens too often when our story doesn't reach the people or the people don't respond the way we want them to respond we tend to blame the media and, and that's um, Dr. Larry Burris talking that, to you on the air yeah, as the this is all unfolding story. Yes. and let's go forward just a little bit the EMS from getting A that's not how they're going to do the story and you're watching it. I got live evidence playing out right now. They're having to block all these people to get a hear an ambulance coming up. I often talk about synchronicity. This is this is it playing out. And this is in 2020. Yes. One protest was trying to help them, and so it's just crazy. I guess NPR will cover it, but I don't mean to absorb the, the conversation. I was just playing out live while I'm up the Capitol. And, and again, you you were saying that <clears throat> this was happening. Outside of the state capitol, yeah. and these protesters were blocking somebody from getting aid. Yeah, this is it playing out. And it was a protester. They were the protesters were blocking for helping another protester. Wow, that's, that's the wild. irony. All right, you're listening to WGNS, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in this morning with us today. In studio was State Representative Mike Sparks, and of course, we'll post this online as a podcast in just a few minutes. Mike, uh, sorry we had to cut it so oh, short. You're all right. Thanks, Scott. We'll, we'll do it again in the near future. All right. News comes your way next. Portions of our programming have been pre-recorded. The Good Neighbor Network, WGNS, Murfreesboro, Smyrna, flagship station for MTSU Sports. Courthouse clock time, 9 o'clock.